Mummy Matters. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Mummy Matters, presented to you by Mums Club. This is Ruth and Pam, your hosts, and we'll be talking about everything that has to do with being a mother. So get in touch with us via Facebook and Instagram, and we will be looking forward to answering as many of your burning questions as possible in our future episodes of Mummy Matters. So what does it mean to be a mummy in this modern day and age? With disruptive technology, changing societal norms and a greater awareness of how a mother's role can impact a child's development and growth, modern motherhood is vastly different from what it used to be. Actually, can you believe that just 60 years ago, most of Singapore's population still lived in kampongs? What? That's not even that long ago. Yes, in fact, our first HDB estate at Stirling Road was completed in 1960. So if you think about it, Singapore and our way of life has come a long way in the last 60 years. In tandem with these changes, parenting and other social norms have evolved as well. You know, they always used to say it takes a kampong to raise a child, but Childhood is so different now. It's a lot more isolated and individualistic. And it isn't just childhood that's being affected. Parenthood, working life and retirement is multiple levels across the family support chain. Right. Our perspective of life now is very affected by what we see on social media. And this not only affects parents, it also affects children and caregivers. Globalization and social media have broadened our perspective Our considerations are even greater. Our comparisons are wider. So everything has changed. So today we'll be talking about one of the biggest issues that any mother will face, especially working mothers. Communicating and collaborating with your caregivers. Expectations versus reality. Is it feasible to expect caregivers to provide certain key aspects of care that modern parents want? So for me, just comparing my mothering experience with that of my mother's, from the very beginning, the activities I carried out for my children when they were very much younger were so different. So I actively engaged my kids with many sensorial activities like water beads, puffy pom-pom balls, so that they are able to differentiate and feel texture, hardness, temperature, size, and even color. So my mother certainly didn't have access to all these materials and knowledge. So... She just went with the flow, you know. Exactly, and we'll cover this later in one of our podcasts, but parenting of the past was a lot more authoritative and they went with the flow. Whereas parenting today is a lot more conscious of meaningful engagement, which then creates tension between what other caregivers such as grandparents believe to be an acceptable form of parenting and what modern parents want. Parents who rely on domestic help also experience the same issues as how domestic helpers perceive caregiving being brought up in their own countries in a different way is often quite different from our expectations. In that sense, it's really a misalignment of priorities that creates tension between the parent and the caregiver when they are collaborating to bring the child up together. So, what are your priorities? Is it obedience, discipline, self-discovery? I definitely see the difference in priorities when I compare myself to my mother. So my mom selflessly brought me and my three other sisters up and showed me how strong a woman, a mother, can be to ensure that the household is well taken care of. She's always there when I needed help with my children too. So she was very consistent when it comes to discipline. 
she will make sure that all my siblings and I we were treated the same to av- avoid favoritism and it worked well really well then so I believe her priority when it comes to parenting was harmony within the family and where all of us would be punished when any one of us just complains or started to cry or whine you know but my concept of fairness is totally different from my mother's I feel that the child who is wrong needs to be punished instead so that it gives justice to that individual child. Mm. So another key aspect that many parents today struggle to acknowledge and come to terms with is grappling with the sheer volume of information there is out there on parenting. What toys are best for my child? How should I engage my child meaningfully? How should I wean my child properly? Yes. And social media makes it even tougher, especially when you see picture-perfect nursery setup that parents have, or just walk into any toy store. The variety there is just mind-boggling. So children, especially infants and toddlers, they develop and change rapidly, so fast that, you know, to be able to catch up with their development is really, really challenging. So caregivers being the one who spend the most time with the children, will be the best observer who can then note when and what development leaps the child is going through. So creating a strong channel of communication with the caregivers is an essential for parents to understand their child better. I agree and it really helps to brainstorm with other mummies on the best ways to communicate your parenting needs with other caregivers, especially when it comes to grandparents. Because as an Asian society, there's a certain level of respect and deference that we always have to give to elders. That said, uh, one thing I've taken to heart as a mummy is no one in the world is as invested in your child's development as you are. So expecting others to put aside their own interests and time to bring your child up your way is a tall order. So I myself am extremely appreciative of my parents for respecting how I wish to bring my children up. And they really do their best to listen to my children as well, even though half the time they're talking nonsense. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, but, but children, right, they really want and like to be acknowledged and heard. This is very important because we come from a generation where we are told silence is golden, but the reverse is actually true. If we constantly and persistently oppress our children from expressing themselves, it is and it can be very emotionally damaging. So this again ties into expectations versus reality when it comes to caregivers, particularly when childcare isn't their one and only priority. Can they really take the time to listen while doing housework and cooking? And also another example is, for example, when parents tell their helper or the grandparents, I want to nurture my child using the Montessori method. They will give you a blank look or a black face depending on their mood. And I think a lot of parents struggle with this. They invest in the tools and the toys, but they don't have the time or the manpower. And when they do eventually have the time, they're at a loss because where do they even start? Right. I find it a struggle as well. So when I was a first-time mom, I didn't understand why my daughter was crying all the time. So I just bought her many toys to keep her occupied while I get busy with my daily chores. And I realized that it was a huge mistake because I can give her all the toys she wants, but she's still very frustrated because I am not able to guide her through it. And then 
I realized that sitting down with her, guiding her through it, and then talking to her more, it just made more sense to her and her uncontrollable crying just got much, much lesser. Yeah, I mean, definitely taking the time to understand your child's personality is definitely very important. That said, not every parent has the luxury of time, but being able to give your caregivers simple explanations and ideas how to actively engage your children, particularly those age 0 to 2 who can't talk yet, uh, this is really helpful. So, we don't have the time today to run through all our ideas now, but we have a very useful guide up on our website www.mumsclub.sg, so do check it out. Yeah, similarly, when allowing your caregivers to give your child access to media like YouTube, Netflix, or Disney+, Plus, it really helps when parents are prepared beforehand because you are able to let them know that you know, these are acceptable and these are more educational. So then they don't go beyond, hopefully they don't go beyond the line, you know. Yeah, especially with grandparents, right? Their activity level cannot match up to a toddler. Or domestic helpers, they have their daily chores like cooking, cleaning to do. So the temptation for them to lean on TV is very strong. Yeah, I mean, we are all only human and sometimes, you know, you really need a break. That's it. Um, Do you feel that screen time is a necessary evil? I personally am quite divided on this. After all, there are many studies that discuss the detrimental effects screen time can have on children. So the Sorsui Hook School of Public Health from the National University of Singapore published several articles on this. They noted that long hours of screen time when cultivated from young can be detrimental in a child's development. Specifically, they note that young Singaporean toddlers below the age of 3 watch approximately 2.5 hours of screen time a day, which exceeds the World Health Organization's recommendation of only 1 hour a day. So, Pam, how do you feel about this? Hmm, so is screen time necessary? I don't believe so, but there are definitely times where it is more useful than detrimental. So below the age of 3, I definitely agree if there is only one child, screen time can be very minimal. However, when siblings come into picture, it is really very much unavoidable. Especially for the older children. TV shows become a talking point when they socialize with others. It's a common topic they can easily discuss with their peers. And I feel being able to make friends, communicate and have discussion with others is also very crucial for their personal development. Uh, that's really a very valid point. And I think another thing to note about this World Health Organization study published in 2019 on the negative impacts of screen time, the study was primarily concerned about the sedentary nature of the activity. But if, say, I were to use screen time as a tool for my daughter to explore different forms of dance, I too believe it will have more benefits than detriments. So it's really up to parents to guide caregivers and manage what content their children watch. So anyway now, let's talk about another one of the most hotly debated topics that parents often struggle with caregivers. Eating. <laughs> what advice do you have for mummies who are struggling with this issue? So for me personally, I do prefer home-cooked food and I try to reduce the amount of processed food they consume especially before the age of two. So we don't buy like sausages, we don't buy like luncheon meat. So they eat whatever that is, you know, like natural and, and the original form. 
So that said, but I mean, I also don't adopt a rigid approach. When we are eating out, it means that we are just eating out. So we don't really care like how much sodium, how much salt they use. And so, yeah. And I don't want to bring them up as a picky eater. So they have to learn to adapt to the outside. Mm, I definitely agree with the need to be flexible and adaptable. And for me, it personally applied right from the start when I first started Natalie on solids. So before I started, I had read up quite a bit on both traditional weaning and baby-led weaning because I'm that type of mom, you know. I like to read and get prepared. And given that I didn't have much family support at the time, I thought traditional weaning sounds so much easier. There's less mess and I can hide foods in the puree. Natalie, however, didn't give me any choice. She absolutely hated soft foods and she started on rice immediately at 6 months plus. So... When it came to my second child, I thought, okay, I'm ready for this. Let's go. But to my horror, he's the absolute opposite. And while his teeth came out much earlier, he still preferred soft porridge up to 15 months old. So, you know, as much as I acknowledge the benefits of baby-led weaning, and I saw my first child through it, the takeaway here for me was, as parents, we need to respect our children as unique individuals. No cookie-cutter approach will work for every kid. And that, for me, is the most difficult thing about parenthood. So especially for parents who rely on caregivers to feed their children, if the way you want your child to be fed isn't working out, don't be too stubborn or upset because feeding an uncooperative child can be very exhausting. Yeah, I mean, I also think that another thing to prepare for your kids is snack. Because children really need snack. Their appetite increases exponentially. And the nutrition is essential at this growing stage. So stocking up your pantry with nutritionally dense and healthy snacks available makes things much easier for parents and alternative caregivers. So they won't be panicking when the child suddenly go like, Oh, I'm so hungry! Or they will be tempted to cheat with unhealthy treats. Yeah, I mean, one thing you gradually realise as a parent is the size of their tummies is much smaller than that of ours. So their capacity at each meal is much smaller but at the same time their needs are so much more frequent because of their high levels of activity and rapid development. So you know, they have that Chinese belief about not leaving a single grain of rice on the plate. <laughs> Forget it lah. I mean, when your child is done, they are done. We have to accept it. I mean, of course you need to ensure they eat a reasonable amount but spending all that time to force feed your child and you know, creating a negative experience, to me that is quite pointless. Uh, at the end of the day, really, I think the most important thing is the nutritional value of foods being fed to your child. In fact, the Straits Times recently published an article in February 2020 on the impact of diet on a child's development and behavioural issues. Processed foods, high sugar drinks, insufficient fruits and vegetables, or a poor diet with little variety can result in nutritional deficiencies or imbalances which can then significantly impact a child's behaviour and development. Yeah, any parent will realise that we cannot control when our child grows hungry. And then it's something that comes without warning as they grow. So at least we can do is to ensure that the food sources are readily available to them and it is of fresh and healthier choices. That's right. And our modern diet is actually lacking a lot of minerals, and essential ingredients. So for example, conditions such as ADHD and eczema have been directly linked to diet. 
A study conducted in 2004 by the Tehran Institute of Medical Sciences uh, of 44 children who were diagnosed with ADHD found that improving the zinc levels of their diet led to improvements in their hypersensitivity, impulsivity, and socialization. So other studies have also talked about lacking of nutrients such as omega-3 fatty acids, which are essential for brain development, as well as minerals such as iron and potassium, which are important for other body functions. Yeah, and there is really a lot of information. So we will go more in depth in a separate podcast. So some example of healthy snacks that I feed my children are like cheese. So of course, I do ensure that I try it out in small quantities before letting them eat more just in case of the trigger to any allergies that my children might be having. Yeah, speaking of allergies, both of us have eczema babies. And eczema ah, is not an easy condition for any parent or caregiver to manage as there could be multiple triggers. In my case, it was the triple threat of food allergies, body products, and laundry detergent. So the amount of money I spent on buying products to determine and eliminate triggers it was so painful and words can't describe the anxiety I felt whenever I saw, you know, both of them breaking into painful, itchy rashes and at times they had bloody itching episodes. So it was very, very stressful. Yeah, I agree to that, man. And, and I'm so angry when other people tell me that they don't believe in these allergies. You know, knowing an allergic reaction can be life-threatening. My mummy instinct definitely went into overdrive when I feel somebody deliberately put my child at risk. So finding out the trigger is so important as it relieves a high level of stress because we often end up blaming ourselves when the baby's skin is less than perfect. This applies to the caregivers too. So in fact, it has been estimated that about 72% of babies experience some sort of skin issues at some point or another because their skin is very delicate in the first year. So ignore those picture-perfect baby you see on Instagram. That's because, you know, they can use filter and, you know, just to make them look good lah, all the time. So I tried many, many brands for my children. Some work for a while, some just too greasy, and it just made my children so uncomfortable. So luckily for parents these days, technology has improved by leaps and bounds. For example, the Biodermal's Ethoderm range is a cleansing and moisturizing regime for very dry, eczema-prone skin that is gentle enough for babies, children, and even adults. So it's also been tested and recommended by dermatologists and pediatricians. And just to share more about the brand, Bioderma is an established brand from France that has been passionate about skin biology for 40 years. Their innovations and participation in dermatological breakthroughs to improve skin health have made it a pioneering expert in dermatological care. In fact, Bioderma was the brand that pioneered micellar water with a sensible H2O range. So with my children, environmental factors was a key trigger for their eczema. That's why if your child is experiencing persistent skin issues, choosing the right products for other family members is critical as well. Perfumes, cosmetics, moisturizers, lotions, detergents. These are a few products that can be highly irritable to a baby's soft skin. 
So actually, dermatologists have found that a baby's skin is 30% thinner than an adult's. That is why babies tend to be more prone to eczema, dryness, irritation. So the fact that Bioderma's Atoderm range is gentle enough for babies, children and adults is a godsend because mothers can now safely use this cleansing range with peace of mind. To celebrate International Women's Day, Bioderma will be giving away an exclusive head-to-toe Bioderm Atoderm bundle which includes its Atoderm Relay Bidouche and Anti-Irritation Shower Oil, Atoderm PP Balm and Ultra Nourishing Balm, its Sensible H2O Micellar Cleansing Water, and Hydra Bio Serum worth $68.60. So, all you have to do is to sign up as a Moms Club member at www.momsclub.sg, follow Moms Club and Biodermas um, Instagram and Facebook, Nominate a woman in your life that deserves to be treated to this nourishing skincare bundle and share your posts on social media. This contest will end on the 26th March and winners will be notified by 31st March 2021. So any mummies who are pregnant right now or have already delivered may have noticed their skin issues have changed. I personally was completely overwhelmed with the changes my skin went through from pre to post delivery. So this hamper is a really great selection of gentle cleansing skincare products that have been proven to address various skin issues. For me, the star of this hamper would be the anti-irritation shower oil. I'm sure I'm not the only mother that experienced this, but during my third trimester, I experienced a lot of skin sensitivity and dry patches of skin at random parts of my body, like my upper arms and my shins, and I've never experienced this before. So Atoderm's Wheel Deduce is an ultra-gentle face and body cleansing oil that provides 24-hour hydration. It nourishes and reduces itch thanks to Bioderma's skin barrier therapy pattern. And it also relieves skin tightness. It has a non-greasy gel-like texture which is very comfortable. So also for women who spend long hours in air-conditioned environments, they might also have dry skin as one would lose moisture more quickly in that kind of environment. So if you notice your skin is dull, rough, scaly, itchy, or has a sense of being too tight, it's very likely that your skin is already dehydrated. Totally agree. So this contest is a great opportunity to acknowledge and recognize other pillars of support, which is basically your own kampong. Ah. So make it a wonderful memory on your social media and engage your children. Let them see how their parents communicate and appreciate others. So it is a great parent modeling and fosters a positive environment climate for the children. So as they see how family members appreciate those around them. So for more information about the contest, uh, please go and visit us on our website www.mumsclub.sg or go to our Instagram page. It um yeah. So that's it for our very first podcast of Mummy Matters. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and we hope you learned something and were perhaps inspired or comforted by what we shared here today. So do send us more of your burning questions, interesting experiences and anything anything parenting related on both Facebook and Instagram. So tune in next week for our discussion on parenting styles. What kind of parent are you? 
What kind of parent do you aspire to be? What is the impact on your parenting style on your child's development? We share parenting tips and more on the next podcast of Mummy Matters.